Gaming MBS episode 110. It's a trap! Thank you for joining Gaming NBS, sponsored by Gamehole Con, gaming convention in Madison, Wisconsin in November, first weekend of November. Get your ass to Gamehole Con. Go to GameholeCon.com for more information. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Yeah, welcome back. Sean and I went for a little motorcycle ride yesterday, Saturday. We thought, hey, this might be the last decent weekend. And of course, today was like freaking gorgeous yesterday was like rainy drizzle shit and uh today was beautiful and today was a day none of us could ride so <sighs> so it goes it's wisconsin yeah so we got that going for us which is so totally got that going for us pretty nice absolutely we did get up to vanguard games a little game shop in reedsburg wisconsin which is a cool place we that saw was nice. we saw md we totally did michael yeah. drescher yeah we finally got him his stuff <laughs> yeah from episode, what, 100? <laughs> We're only 10 episodes behind. That's 10 weeks. 10, shut up, it's 10 episodes. Don't, don't, you're counting out weeks. We sound like bastards. It's a, mm. It was a logistics issue. Totally. And Michael was, he's, well, one, he's a listener, so that means he's super cool to begin with. And two, he's super cool. And was like, hey, guys, uh, just stop by. Don't bother shipping it to me. I live in Sauk. Just when you get a chance, bring it on over. So, dur, here we went. I finally had a chance. We got there. It was good. And he meet any he works at a liquor store. Yes, he does. He works at a liquor store. Ah! <laughs> Absolutely. And uh the one map, the hand-drawn painted map he showed us. Oh my god, that looked really good. So he's been working on a an RPG uh and he sent us as you know something to try out and everything. So we should really kind of follow up with that and we absolutely should. Yeah. We've, totally. We've kind of blown you off, Michael, and we we apologize. Um well, I'll tell you, if his not the other thing I really liked about our stop with Michael is his knowledge of Shadow of the Demon Lord. I did not know a lot about it, just knew hints and pieces from people dropping different things, and uh, he's pretty intimately familiar with it. So, got some good insight from him. That was nice. Indeed, it was. I always love meeting good gamers, and if they happen to listen to us, great. And if they don't, that's cool. But yeah, it's good to yeah. see him. Um, do, do, do from announcements. Let's see here. We have, um, let's see game con coming as we've talked about evercon.org. We've get, still have room obviously for people to set up events. I would love to have more BSers in, who, who can make it to central Wisconsin in the, uh, first part of January. Uh, I'd love to have more BSers come up there and run some events and hang out. It should be a damn good time. So hopefully you can see some folks there again, evercon.org. Get on out there if you can and uh, get your badge, sign up, get in there, get some events rolling. How many events are you running up, up there, Brett? I'm running the convention. I don't have a lot of time to run events, Sean. That's why I'm trying to get you to come up there to carry the gaming oh. MBS for me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I run the con. You run the events. I swear to you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just just got to get the Sean train to stop up there. We'll be right. fine. It's the wrong train. That's totally the wrong train. That's a get us banned train. Yeah, that's true. Well. If that doesn't do it, something else will. So, shall we move on? Let's get into Random Encounter. Do it. All right, Random Encounter. Got a couple this week. Brett, you want to start? You want me to start? What do you want to do? They're both pretty hefty. I'll start with the first one here. Good Lord. 
Tony Baker calls BS. <clears throat> he says, good evening, friends. I was going to put this in G+, but it was too long. He figured he'd be a real bastard make us read it. <laughs> I like this, Tony Baker. He's my kind of asshole. I like this. Oh, I'm kidding you, Tony. It's good to have you right in. This is cool stuff. So episode 107, he's calling BS. He says, first, let me say I appreciate your attempt at covering an evil campaign. However, I felt it very clear to me that you hadn't played one, at least not any time recently. Hmm. Well, I every campaign I run is evil because the player characters are evil. I mean, True. even if their alignment is kind of good, they're really just they're evil. So the uh, he continues. Uh, the longest running game I've been in is an evil campaign going on three years. I would apologize for length of this post, but you really did it to yourself. Well, we probably did. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> he continues. Yeah. Let me explain some of the things that make an evil game great. One, everyone and everything is against you. You are the criminals, the villains, the whatever. If you think you can just parade around the streets with unicorn heads and paladin spleens, you are wrong. Oh. Even if the government kingdom power is evil, they are not chaotic. If you threaten their order, they will come after you. So your group had better work together and it better be smart about it or you will all be dead. Example, we fought our way through an ancient temple and it cleared it out when we discovered a shield of arrow attraction. Basically, it increased armor class versus ranged attacks. Um, even though it was a low magic game and we didn't hardly have any magic items or at that point money, it was decided unanimously that the shield would go to me as I was a tank. If I go down, the enemy flood the rest of the group. In the words of the Simpsons, number two here, there are three ways to do things. The right way, the wrong way, and the max power way. Isn't that just the wrong way? Yeah, but faster. Um, I remember that episode. That was a good one where uh, uh, Homer changes names to max power. Anyhow, evil games are all about the ebb and tide of power. When you cut corners and ruffle feathers to get what you have, you get power much faster. But the cost, uh, the cost inevitably and explosively returns to you. An evil game is about acquiring power, <clears throat> but even more so defending what you have. Example, in our evil game, one of our members is a necromancer. The game is low magic, and spells can be hard to come by. We discovered that a local jewelry seller had a selection of spells. We were unable to buy the spells. We came up with a way to cheat her out of it. We were very pleased with ourselves. Fast forward a few game months, and we discovered that she bought the only Onyx mine around and was not re releasing it to the market. This is important because basically all animate dead spells require Onyx. Oh, very nice. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Back at you, bitches. I took all your stuff. Oh, main material component's gone. Number three, when you were forced to work together because good guys want to kill you and bad guys want to kill you, you really can't trust your quote-unquote allies. What have you done for me lately is and should be the temperament between the PCs. As you are all roughly equal in power and any upset to the group dynamic will surely draw the wrath of the rest of the party, the PCs develop delightfully clever machinations against one another another serving as an important check in each other's power another example we attacked enemy necromancer's hideout at the and at the end discovered that there was a very powerful throne made of bones and so forth in the last room i want to know what the so forth is was it like bones and spleens or bones and entrails entrails yeah. entrails it's bones and entrails that's what it is from here on anyway this would help a necromancer focus <coughs> excuse me the power and control a lot more undead i was the first one in the room and the necromancer was battling in a different part of the dungeon. So I took my chance to utterly smash the object to, that kept my quote-unquote ally in check. Ooh, nice. Evil characters are easy to motivate. Number four, when you make an evil character, you have a clear goal in mind. Political power, magical power, vast wealth, an army of assassins, increase your evil god's influence, etc., etc., etc. In order to get things accomplished, you have to work together. This is a fantastic narrative, gaming BS buzzword, that got a good campaign, that a good campaign cannot have. This makes one PC convinced 
The other PCs of the value of his objective, whether that is through bribery, promises, or some other compensation. Interparty negotiation often has interesting results. Example, my objective was to become king. I frequently would forego rewards for other for our quest giving a larger share to allies in order to complete activities towards ob- complete objectives, excuse me, for my goals. First, I became the leader of a small town and began construction efforts to fortify it. My quote unquote allies then purchased quarry quarries and lumber mills and camps, and I used government money to buy the supplies from them at inflated prices. Thanks to my thanks for the lessons, Tony Soprano. Uh, then we attacked the kingdom with an army, and when we won, I appointed them to positions of power, granted them special access and vast wealth. Before I stepped out of that character, having accomplished all of his goals, I sent them on their next quest to go to, to the next world. Now, with regards to your objection, I'll be relatively brief and only addressed on it, uh, the one I've heard the most. Brett said something to the effect of evil games are base and childish. I think this is an unfair characterization. Narrative, how many am I up to now, is <laughs> buzzwords, of course, is always at the forefront. If things are if the things you are doing, PC or GM, don't drive a narrative, you are wasting everyone's time. Look at a show or books if you have time, like Game of Thrones. It would be fairly easy to argue that every character on that show is evil. Kind of to your point there, Sean, characters being evil bastards. Does that make the uh, intrigue any less interesting? How about the Sopranos or Deadwood or the Shield or the Americans? The list is pretty long. If you want to just take some time to run all the disgusting things you can think of, you know, you probably have problems. But let's not paint every game with the same brush, eh? Buzzwords count? Only three. Very sorry. <laughs> not bad. So I do believe, I think this goes back to our failure to properly um, define what we meant by evil, right? So when I ran vampire for 15 straight years, everyone in that game was fucking evil. They're vampires. They're nasty quasi rapist creatures that hunt people down and drink their blood and leave them for dead in alleyways. They're bad people or creatures. And they did all of this type of thing, trying to take over cities and wreck people and screw each other over hell. Amber, the role playing game. Amber is uh, a bunch of amoral near godlike creatures that are <laughs> doing everything they can to s- essentially screw each other over. At least that's how it's always been when I've played or run it. So I get where he, I think I get what he's saying. And I believe Tony is, um, capitalizing or able to capitalize on the fact that we did not define evil very well. So I think we're going to have to come back at that one at some point, Sean, what do you, what do you think after this? It's all perspective. Okay. One person's evil is another person's good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, one of his examples, I shouldn't say one, but like Game of Thrones, Sopranos, Deadwood, and so on. Those games with the anti-heroes, right? I mean, the Punisher is a quote-unquote hero in Marvel Comics. He murders people. He flat-out murders people. Yeah, he murders bad people. Dexter, he's a serial killer that only murders other killers. He's still a bad person, essentially. Um, Murderers being one of those things that are normally not considered very good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean that it makes a bad narrative or a bad story. So if you were to do that and you were to say, Hey, I want to run a game of Thrones or a game where we have a bunch of amoral crackpots trying to control a different city or something that could totally make for a very good story. It just, um, I think he's right that when you are evil like that, then you have everybody and their brother is out to get you. So it does. It's interesting. I like it. This is a good this is a good rebuttal, I think, to what we had gone through. So very good stuff, Tony. I applaud you, sir. Anything else, Sean? No. No? No, nothing. That was a nicely done email and message. It was, was a nicely nice. done email. I, it, it was. It was well put, and I actually agree 
with them very much. I think I have to as well. But good that, stuff. That's the thing, though. When you're starting to talk about good and evil, you know, what is evil? Like, Hellraiser is probably evil. Like, it's always kind of like this, you know, clowns are evil. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that. Right. You know, they put makeup on, they're really creepy. Yeah. They, they deserve to be shot. Yeah, that's just yeah, how it goes. I mean. Well, in the leg, just as a warning. They, anyway. <laughs> they scare little kids. Exactly. Some grow up to be adults and be mo- emotionally scarred from that. All right. That was good stuff, though, Tony. Thank you very much, man. And uh, next one from the mongrel is over to you, Sean. Pure mongrel. Comments on AAS on G+. Good day, all BSers. <laughs> Don't do that. Come on, man. Going. I got this down. No, you don't. I'm gonna make it one of our patron goals that you do that we do the entire episode in in really bad accents. Yes, done. We could do that. That's simple. Yeah, but don't do it now, though. Oh no! We get the, wait till we get the. How do you guys deal with consequences of PC actions? <laughs> By this, I mean if the characters make choices that creates conflict between them and allies and or the law of the land. You just sound like a drunk farmer at this point. I don't. <laughs> you totally do. What are, you, what are you calling Australians drunk farmers, Brett? No, no. I'm saying oh. you sound like a drunk farmer. I sound like an Australian. No, drunk farmer. Australians sound better. Well, hey, write in. Let me know <laughs> which side. Write <laughs> in and let us know which right. side you're on. Team Brett or Team Sean. Oh, man, I just got a hellacious cramp in my leg. Holy See, that's cow. what happens when you use bad. All right, I'm, I'm, you want me right, to carry this one? I will finish it. Oh, my God, that is painful. Anyways, there you go. It's some insight to, oh, my God, that is. Oh, that really, that freaking hurts, man. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's what happened. That's that's karma right there. Oh, Do a God, bad Australian accent and is, you cramp up. I, <laughs> I'm trying to wait for it to subside. Okay, here we go. Oh, wow, that is something else. My apologies. If you weren't watching the video on that, that was kind of funny because his eyes almost bugged clean oh, out of his head. I funny. usually get him in my calf, but this was on my thigh, man, right behind the back of my thigh. Anyways, oh, it is subsided. I'm good now. On the surface, good. on the surface, this seems like a no-brainer. The town watch gets called into action. The PCs are banished. A warrant is issued for arrest, etc. But what if the logical consequence derails the game? Here's an example I'm currently contemplating. Backstory. A number of sessions back, the party had a fight in a house of ill repute. Ah, crap! <laughs> All right, I'll read. Jesus, man. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know how it's even creating, man. I'm going to get through... No, no, you. I'm gonna get through this. I gotta stand. I gotta. All right, we're gonna go long. We're gonna go long. No, we're not gonna go long. Let me get this thing down. I'm gonna get this down. My God, that is. I got my. I I got my right thigh wrapped up because it's been bothering me when I run. You know. So I think what's happening is the mongrel (sighs) is down in Australia right now with a uh, Sean and Brett um, voodoo voodoo doll. doll. Yeah. As soon as he found that you're reading it. Yeah, he's stabbing me in the freaking leg. Oh, my God. Got a hairpin just driving in there. Here we go. Jesus. Holy cow. Keep it up. Keep it up, Mongrel. This is funny shit. Backstory. A number of sessions back, the party had a fight in a house of ill repute. We call that a... Yeah, I know what that's all about. I'm assuming that the house was not up to code and there was plumbing issues and electrical problems. An OSHA mess. 
Exactly. Totally an ocean mess. No hand railings, nothing. In a house of ill repute with a demon, said demon possessed the working girls of this high-class establishment, and the party felt forced to dispatch them. Oh, okay. Okay. There is an autonomous organization in our setting that dispenses justice. And when the PCs next return to town, I plan to have them arrested and put on trial. Oh, boy. The underlying story is that while the locals know the PCs are not cold-blooded murderers, a figure behind the scenes is scheming to get the PCs and the judges in the one spot for an attack. Great idea in theory, but there is a very real possibility that one or more PCs may fight instead of being taken into custody. Oh, as, as they will. You try, mon- to arrest, you try to arrest a PC, they're going to fight you. Pure mongrel bank on it, baby. Oh, yeah. It's inevitable. You're lucky if you only get one that does it. Well, he says, what's the next line here? They are ex-slaves and have legitimate reasons they may take this route. Yeah, I don't. I think grabbing a character who was an ex-slave and say, "Here, I'm going to put some more chains back upon you," I don't think that'll go well. No. Um, if they kill the judges or their troops, the party become wanted criminals and lose access to their patron. While all the possibilities from this scenario can lead to great role playing, playing and story creation. And I feel this scenario is a legitimate consequence of past actions. Am I setting up players up for a fall, or is this a legitimate test slash challenge that the player uh, that the players for the players? What would you do? So my first thought here, Mongrel, is no comp- no preconceived only one ending. Right? Don't do the railroad. This is where people complain about railroads and so forth. Is when look, the only thing that's going to happen is if they do this or this. They lose access to their patron, and this is what happens. It's no, it's not really an if-then statement. It's not binary. It's not they do one or the other. The players are going to come up with a ton of different things. I think what you need to do is I don't know the world. I don't uh, know the patron sol- solution or setup. Um, if they lose access to a patron, would an- could another one perhaps um, swoop in and help them out and become a new patron? Is that possible? Um, could the excuse me? Could the the judge um, have magical abilities to help him escape, or to somehow summon assistance, or or something like that? Is there a way that the when the bad guys attack to try to kill everybody, it's very well known that oh my god, this was a complete setup, and this isn't what it is. This um, if the demon that they dispatched, or if they didn't dis- dispatch the demon who possessed the um, the uh, the working girls in that in the in the brothel, if that hadn't happened, or if the demon is still around, does he or that thing does it make another cameo, or perhaps one of the uh, NPC women from the uh, from the brothel or something comes in to defend the player character? So there's a ton of different things that can happen there. I think the yeah, it is a logical conclusion that if they broke the law and did something absolutely horrible and wholesale slaughtered a bunch of people. Yeah, they could end up getting arrested or have something happen. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think one of the knowing full well that you have a group of people that will probably fight going to jail. Um, I think you might need to do something different, like having them, if there is a king, a prince, a queen, or 
perhaps their patron calls them before they even come to town and says, look, we're going to sneak you in because they're, they're on the lookout for you. This is really bad. You need a better, you need to do something to clear your name because you are now wanted criminals in this town or it's going to go really bad for you. There's, <laughs> they can say, nope, fuck all that. I'm going into town anyway. And then of course they have made the choice. You've given them options. They've made the choice to go into town and then get arrested and deal with the fallout. But I think if the only option they have is go to town, potentially get arrested, you know, have the arrest occur, potential murder and mayhem ensues. And then there is a, at the end, whoops, sorry, this is what, this is legitimate uh, cost for your actions. That's going to feel um, railroady and like they're slammed into something. That's my first thought off the top of my head. Sean? So I part, I agree with Brett to some degree. Well, I mean, I think he, I'm going to say the same thing, but probably in a different way. That's fine. As long as you don't hand, if you don't, if you don't heavy hand it, like I'm going to arrest them and th- it's going to be an arrest and that's the way it's going to be. And they're going to be in jail period and end of discussion. If one of them does resist, play it out. See if they can see it. What happens? Play to see what happens. Yes. A- and then based on that, there's consequences that are going to roll into that. So maybe one of them escapes. Uh, maybe maybe one of the jailers or arresting officials there when they say we didn't do it, it was a demon. He goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, what demon? We knew nothing about a demon. What do you know about demons? You could coincident, like you said, play to see what happens. Depending how the interaction goes, more ideas can spawn from that. Well, and if they're on trial, say they're on trial, is it is it, it's not a done deal? Like they they may have done something poorly, but are they tried in front of a group of of their peers? And maybe there's people. That are like, yay, they did the right thing. But if, yes, so, okay, take that for what it's worth. I understand that there's strings being pulled behind the scenes, right? That's kind of his thing. That there's somebody scheming to get these guys off the street. Correct. That, but you have to divulge that eventually. You have to kind of hint towards that. Maybe there's somebody on the inside, like a bailiff or somebody, uh, maybe it's one of the jury people, Somehow, maybe there's a defense person that's assigned to take on this case. Whatever, however you set up the judicial structure of how this is going to take part, maybe they're an advocate for the party, and they are going to give the party clues that will say you're being you're on the hook for this. Somebody is really manipulating everything behind the scenes. Then let the players kind of take it from there on what they do, but. Note that they also have to be aware of that because maybe, you know, what happens if they kill, quote unquote, innocent people, you know, because they're going to be apprehended. Um, Maybe they're told I've I've been I've been in this situation where the party wants to take that heavy hand. They want to like, I'm going to kill this person because they're going to imprison me. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to stab them. And this person hasn't really done anything other than do their job and they're going to put them in manacles. Maybe it's somebody just putting their hand on the the PC shoulder and saying, Hey, this isn't the time or place, you know, whatever's hinting at there's something going on. Don't get yourself into bigger trouble. The other piece with that too, is that if you have one person who has an organization or nefarious goal and behind the scenes planning, that person or a group has usually has an antithesis. There's somebody who's against them. There's another group which is, again, is it their patron or is it a rival patron that perhaps sees an opportunity? So it's, you know, um, this other person is going to feed them stuff and send them, they're arrested, but in the process, each character is given a key to their manacles and like, look, 
just so you know, this is all for show. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here's the key. Don't worry. We'll march you into town arrested and we'll take care. We'll, we'll uh, slip you some information or something. Um, <clears throat> it's totally fine. The other option is that they go through this. They find out cool stuff. They end up escaping. They don't go to town or they're spirited away through some other group or they whatever. And maybe they're on the run now. Right. Maybe they're wanted. They've got a poster up in every freaking town that says, look, these assholes come get them um, wanted. And the next phase of their entire adventure is how do we clear our name? Right. Right. The judge believes this. Everybody else believes this, except for this whole crew of people or somebody slandering us or whatever the case is. So, well, I think as long as you do what Sean said, play to see what finds play to find out what happens and no preconceived. It's going to do this. Right. If they fall right into the, um, you walk right down the crocodile's mouth. Hey, guess what? You fucking get eaten. That's just what happens, you know. But give them, let them find other ways and options. Yeah, and what it what happens when you realize the players realize that there's this conspiracy behind what's going on, and and what does that look like? Is that a bigger thing that they not only need to clear their names, but they need to take action against that? So now they have a a group goal in getting rid of that group or whoever that is. The big Absolutely. Bad, right. But the whole, we must clear our names is a thing. Right. You can have, <laughs> I know mongrel plays a lot of savage worlds. And uh, so I don't know that system. I'm not like a Ron blessing or Serrano here. So I can't point to the system itself, but there's got to be ways to cause pain right within the system. Hey, look, you can't get a Benny refresh. Cause your, your, your name is mud at this point. You need to do something to clear this up or clean this up or, or whatever, or no rest for the wicked. You know, you're being chased. So there's ways to in to have the logical consequence impact them, but not derail the entire game. You can have it be there, and it's something that they have to deal with. The shit ain't going away, but it's a component to the larger story. So, Mongrel, whatever happens, you got to let us know. You know, absolutely. Let us know if anything going. that Sean and I spouted out there makes any sense. Let us know if. You think, yeah, boys, I tried all that and it didn't fucking work. You suck. Um, let us know that too. I'd like to know that. I am really curious to see what happens. Yeah, let's get into the main topic. <laughs> Traps. Traps. Uh, <laughs> they'll snare every one of you. That's Freddie Mercury's turning over in his grave right now. Traps. So traps, those lovely little things that cause so much pain and annoyance. And um, Sean and I were kind of kibitzing the other day around old school gaming. I was thinking about some of the adventures that my kids have written. One of my favorite ones I told Sean yesterday over lunch was my my son had, um, Connor had made his first dungeon. And at this one section, I think every five feet or 10 feet was a trap. There's a pit trap, a poison. There was something. It was like just death. This constant, you know, traps, 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 traps. And at the end of this huge hall of death traps was the bathroom for the dungeon. There was nothing there. There was no, there was an Atiyag in the bathroom basically is what it turned out to be. So we, you know, and I, and uh, I looked at him and said, so this is an active dungeon where these orcs live. Yeah. I said, how the hell do they ever go to take a shit without getting destroyed? I said, because every five feet they have to remember to do something. He was like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. 
So there, there's some treasure there's, buried in that shitter somewhere. That's all I gotta say. Or there better, better be, or I'm punch, be. punching that GM in the face. Yeah, I don't care if he's 14 at the time. I'm gonna wow. clock him. Yeah, hey, that'd be the only hey, thing hey. that would stop me. But wow, no judge would convict you after you told him what happened. Well, that's true. Hey, this is what happened, Your Honor. Oh, hey, well, in that case, yeah, you little fucker. <laughs> um, he'd lean across him with a gavel. Anyway, I do not. I did not hit my kid for that. Yeah, we do way. not advocate. Uh, Hitting anything like that. That's anybody horrible. under 14 and those, uh, or 18, unless, of course, yeah. they're doing dumb shit in a dungeon. Yeah, once they're 18, you beat the shit out of them. Yeah, and just bank it, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, remember that time when you were 14? What? Push. Knock it down <laughs> in the snow. It's good stuff. Anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. Trav, I mean, I've heard other podcasts talk about this. Instructed Market hinted at it and a few others. I kind of, traps are fun and they can be, and they can be kind of cool. There is something historical within the game sphere right it's part of an old school thing where you would go down and every tomb had them you think of uh, indiana jones the first one raiders of the lost ark and even <clears throat> any well shit any of them really throw me the, I, 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 throw you the whip the whip exactly or the uh he puts his hand in the light and these spoilers um spears come screaming across open pits uh, boulders flying. He's got the what was it? The Last Crusade. All the different crazy shit to get the uh, to get the Holy Grail. It's just <clears throat> cool and fun. It fits a certain genre very very well. Um, so Sean, from a game master pers- just just talk from a game master perspective for a, for a minute here. Do you like them? What do you think about traps? What do you oh, what do they do for you? Yeah, they're great. Why are they great, Sean? Because you get this train on this track, and if they want to get off the train, you just put traps along the side. So it's kind of a shock collar approach. Yes! That's a perfect (laughs) analogy, Brett. Oh, hey, you want to get off this train? That's cool. Yeah, so it's like the invisible fence fence for your dog. I think it like to, yipe! I don't want to go there. Nice. Okay. I mean, that's (laughs) just one of many tactics that I may incorporate. (laughs) <laughs> in order to keep people on 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 track as it were okay yeah no they're so the good other- they're good i i like them i don't typically come up with them off the top of my head but you know they're i think m- many of them make more sense nowadays than they used to yes i mean would you agree because back in the so- day there would be traps like what the i mean why is there a trap here so you have the Grimtooth book, right? The analogy. The yeah, that thing's heavy. crazy. <clears throat> yeah. But that was shit people would come up with. Because back, I mean, back in the day when you had a, and people will slap us for this, but it could be very adversarial, right? Where it was player, players, not player characters, was players and game masters pitting wits against each other. Um, you didn't have skill checks and so forth, or the thief did. But anybody could try to detect a sliding corridor by, you know, rolling marbles down the dungeon floor, pouring water, or trying to see if there's <clears throat> cracks or... or you know, loose flat, uh, loose flagstones or something along those lines, tapping with the proverbial 10 foot pole. Um, I prefer to tie a halfling thief on the end of my 10 foot pole and kind of swab the dungeon like a big Q-tip just to make sure I check for all the traps. Um, oh, that's a good tactic. I like that. Very, I'm going to write that yeah. down. Good idea. Anyway, the, from a game master perspective, there is one of the things that traps can do in a raw dungeon crawl, pers- just thinking dungeon crawl for right now, is it can slow the party down. They've got a crunch, crunch, crunch. They're on a certain type of path or pace. Um, <clears throat> if they are foolish, traps have the ability to not only slow them down, but attrition, right? Hit point attrition, magic item use, healing spells, 
um, armor, um, disease, all sorts of crazy things, even just time, time and raw equipment of 50 feet rope being used to climb in, climb out, do this, do that. Um, the time, <coughs> excuse me, and other, basically just an attrition component of it can be something from a game master perspective to kind of whittle things away from player characters. It's a, you know, going through this slog, almost slog is a horrible word because it makes it sound terrible, but kind of got to go through, got to be careful, got to pay attention, got to be well stocked and supplied in order to make it work. Well, and I don't know, never mind the, I'm going to protect the NPCs stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other piece, right? And that's kind of a world setting perspective, right? So your, Where, your take, what you were talking about is all meta. What I'm talking oh, about is in game. Like there's yep. a point in having a trap there. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely. That's where I think your earlier statement is some of the traps now make more sense where if I have something built in here, I'm like, look, this was a tomb and it was designed to <laughs> make sure no tomb robbers came in and took the great Pharaoh's thing or the great Poobah's, you know, amazing scepters. Or this is the place where they buried the demonic possessed artifacts and no one else would get it. And there's a goddamn good reason why there's traps and, and other th- sorts of nefarious things all around this dungeon because no one should be getting this horrible demonic artifact. We don't want people holding that thing. You got to hide it and you want to protect it. <clears throat> I think from a player's perspective, traps, if um, if there's too many of them, right? If it becomes like my horrible example that my son put together um, where they're just like freaking everywhere, they're annoying. They become a nuisance. And if they don't have a purpose, I'm like, oh, this trap was out here because it stops people from tearing down this dungeon corridor. It slows them down, gives the guards time to show up and pour boiling hot oil down the murder holes. Okay, great. I get it. Um, and from a, the other thing from player perspective is <clears throat> it can add to the world setting component as well, right? As you said, there's a reason why it's here. If you're going somewhere and there's a trap, you're like, okay, well, this thing is obviously important. Is the box locked? Yes. Is the box trapped? Yes. It's a poison needle. Ooh, whatever's in this box. There's a reason. Why would you put a poison needle trap on this box if there wasn't some goodies inside? To prevent uh, those murder hobos from stealing other people's shit. Absolutely. Player characters. Robbers. (laughs) They're robbers. All of them. Thieves. So I think... Now... Usually when we I talk about traps or I think about them, I tend to think the dungeon style stuff like we just kind of laid out. Um, the other part, though, some of my favorite traps that I ever pulled on player characters were in my vampire game. And those were more social setups or bad guy plots where you basically it was kind of the, oh, my God, Mr. Bond, you walked in here and boom, you're trapped. Oh, great. You're chained down. To, Do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to die. Ah, oh, fuck. It's a trap. You're stuck there. It's a horrible death machine. Too bad. You're stuck. Um, so what I, what I did, these guys had this wonderful, beautiful plan. And they had uh, were working with, Drac- with Dracula. And uh, they had all this stuff sorted out. And Dracula set, up, set them up completely so that he could take what they were after. And uh, it, was a tra- it was an absolute trap for them. There was They ignored all the signs. They paid no attention. And they were left holding the bag. All the goods were gone, and Dracula just disappeared out of Chicago. Like, God damn it. He suckered us. He played us. Essentially, in my mind, that's a trap. Had they paid better attention, put up different safeguards, done something, they would have disarmed, if you will, all of those societal machinations that Dracula had put into place to sucker these fools 
into doing something for him where they basically went down the dungeon corridor blind and running saying, Hey, there's treasure at the end of this door and bam, 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 bam. They got there all beat to hell. And the other guy just walks down the dungeon, takes it, says, thank y'all and leaves kind of like Belloc at the end of the, uh, at the very, one of the very first scenes of the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Jones goes all the way in, gets the idol's head, solid gold, makes his way out. Oh my God. And there's Belloc, the bad guy. He's standing there with a ton of Hovidos natives with poison darts and blowguns and arrows and spears. He's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I just let you do all the work, you dumb shit. And I'm taking this from you. That's a trap in my mind. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I guess it could be. I would, I would, I don't know if I would call it a trap necessarily um, in that respect, I, but I do know where you're going. Like when they go to Star Wars and they're going to attack the Death Star and the shields aren't down, down and they come out of hyperspace and they're like, they were expecting them. It's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah, exactly. Admiral right. Akbar. Where that, that was more planned. I think uh, Belloc, I don't know if I don't know if he necessarily planned it or he just happened to be there. Well, regardless of how the meta works, even if if that's just happened to be the example I came up with, yeah, but yeah. I think that concept of the bad guy setting up. And I've had player characters in in the uh, planning phases, like, look, we're gonna set this up. And I'm gonna catch the bad guy. Right. It's the Scooby. It's Scooby Doo. Right. We're gonna set this up, and look, it's Old Man Withers. Um, you set this thing up, and you catch somebody. You catch the monster. You catch the bad guy bring them back alive, whatever the case is, you have to catch them. To do that, you set up some sort of a trap. And I think that instead of, um, <clears throat> I think the purpose of the trap is essentially, um, it's the best types of traps to me um, help to drive the narrative in some way, right? Help drive the story. And where that comes down to is it's not just some crazy ass grim tooth special trap with a giant crab in it and some weird, ball bearings and flaming needles or whatever else is in the grim tooth trap. I would refer to uh, those as mechanical traps, Brett. Yes. But even so the mechanical trap that's just there because the game master thinks it's neat and has nothing to do with the setting has nothing to do with the storyline or the adventure is not as effective as taking a mechanical trap that fits. Right. I'm going into, I don't, I don't think anybody would argue that or against that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't think they would argue against it now, but they used to constantly use that type of thing. The entire Grim 2 selection is all crazy-ass traps that are not necessarily... Um, I don't think they're not necessarily there to enhance the environment in any way, right? They're there to poke you in the eye and make sure that you lost your eye in the process. Ha, ha, ha. I fucked you because you, as a player, weren't smart enough to look for this. Well, I think part of part of Grim 2's traps and i don't have the forward in front of me or the, the whole thing i mean they re-released it there was a kickstarter they released like all the books in one but anyways yeah, i have a series of the, i have some of the original ones yeah the thing is though we you could use it as a complement to whatever you're building as a dungeon yes and at the same time you could laugh at half of them Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Some, some of them are just ridiculous. Just crazy. Right. Yeah, they're absolutely ridiculous. So I think Grimtooth the, the itself is kind of, hey, here's some traps if you want to use them, and then here's some traps if you really want to go, go off the deep end and just read about some of them that are just ridiculous. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. That, that's just my take on Grimtooth. But I guess part of it, though, is that when, when you have something that leads – so you're in an ancient Orban corridor, you're doing your thing, dungeon style – 
You check it out. <clears throat> the thief finds a trap, disarms it, explains what it is. The person who has the best dwarven lore, probably the dwarf in the party, if there is one or whatever, says, wow, um, this is definitely a classic dwarven style trap. It's designed to do this, that, or the other thing. That means we're close to the treasure room. That means we're close to a barracks. That means something. You can use those components as ways to feed data back. Even if, to use like a Dungeon World example of spouting lore, you can look at the the dwarf, <coughs> excuse me, player character can say, you know, um, spout lore, essentially. I believe, you know, from what I understand of my ancient, you know, dwarven brethren, how they made their traps, this was designed by Master Trap Maker, you know, or Dory of the Three Fingers, and this is how he always built his traps. We should be careful from here on out. Um, that's a piece that you can use to add something to the dungeon other than just a mechanical thing that has no background, no story, and no reason to be there other than just to try to eliminate hit points. Sure, yes. Do you, so, have you used, like, the social traps and stuff? I mean, actually, you did. You totally did that in the Star Wars game we played. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Brett. <laughs> you totally did that. You used our backgrounds against this, which was pretty cool, by the way. Well, yeah, there's, yes. There's the uh, obligation piece is what Brett is referring to. Well, not only that, but in the uh, for the Jewel of Yavin, when I fucked up and none of us could roll dice at the end, and I made it very well known that I was the one who was actively trying to screw over the hut for the Jewel, I walked right in. He trapped me. He herded me specifically to a limo, and I had to throw an active grenade to get out of it. And I'm still essentially trapped because, socially speaking, my character is now a wanted criminal and terrorist. Yeah. Yeah. So those social setups are just wonderful. And that's kind of what, honestly, it's kind of what the mongrel was talking about, right? A demon came, possesses a bunch of innocents, and they laid waste to a bunch of people who, who weren't, you know, they happened to be possessed, but they weren't demons. They weren't evil people. They slaughter them all. And now guess what? They're wanted men, and they're, these men and women are going to get arrested, and their whole social structure could fall down around them because they fell for it. It's a trap. Yes. I agree. Okay. A different type of trap, but yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let me think. When you you said earlier that you don't do traps kind of on the fly and so on. Were you talking specifically about dungeon style traps or social ones or anything and everything or what? Well, I think yeah, I think you have to differentiate the two. So if it's a mechanical trap, what's the point of it? Where are you gonna put it? Why are you gonna put it where you're gonna put it? You know, one thing we haven't talked about, Brett. What's that, Sean? Well, maybe we're going to get to it. I don't know. But what, you know, it always seems as though traps are always presented to the player characters. So somebody's setting them, somebody's driving that, whether it be social or mechanical, right? The okay. GM is conveying it to the player characters. The door is trapped. The chest is trapped. Um, or it's, it's, it's sprung. Boom, you come across the trap. Oh, you... We're trapped by the bad guys. They got us against the ropes. They trapped us, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But what about the player characters, Brett? <clears throat> well, I mentioned that earlier. That's the whole Scooby gang thing, right? Right. Yes, you did touch on it. Yes, good point. <clears throat> but I don't, I think it's underplayed in role-playing games. I have never, I don't, I cannot remember ever having a thief or a rogue actually set up a trap. Oh my God. That was like constant in my groups. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, as soon as people figured out how, that they could disarm them, that was like one of the first house rules that we ever had in high school was that, well, if I know how to disarm pit traps, I could set one, right? 
Well, you can't just set a trap. Well, no, I can't. I mean, I know how to dig a pit. I should be able to cover it up. I should be able to do that because if I can detect a poison needle, I should be able to pull together a poison needle. Can I? The whole snaps, uh, traps, traps, snares, pitfalls, that type of thing. That right. was, we actually had arguments with how long would it take to set up like a perimeter around the camp oh, of snares and traps and all this crap. And the game master, Eric, Eric poor Schaefer, God, I love him for being a long suffering to us fools would be like, look, you don't, it's going to take you like eight hours to settle this crap up. You won't get any sleep if you do that, you know, type of thing. Well, that, that was huge. That was huge for my group. That is the advantage of having the game master come up with the traps because they've already been done. They've, you know, the eight hours, the 12 hours, the months or whatever. Yeah. Like, last, it takes a while to dig a 10 foot pit, but with hand shovels, even with a group of men to do it, it's still, you know, you got five men and women digging a, you know, 10 by 10, by, basically a 10 foot cube right. of earth. That takes a lot of fucking time. It's a lot of dirt. <laughs> it's a lot of goddamn dirt. And, and I can tell you from experience after having to dig out, um, water systems and stuff in our family's cabin in Michigan, there's a lot of sign left around that you just dug out about 10 feet of dirt because there's mounds of that shit everywhere. It's very obvious that there's a freshly dug hole right here. It's very, very obvious. Uh, excavation, man. It's not, a, it's no joke. <laughs> no, it, without a backhoe, doing it by hand, it sucks ass is what it does. Yeah, pit traps, good times. But snares, you know, that's where the rangers would always step in and say, oh, I have animal traps, right? As soon as they would find that stuff in the... um player's handbook or some splat book somewhere they would buy five bear traps and have them on the pack mule and then lay them out around the camp that was one of the arguments of so of the group's sop for for camping down right we come up with a list of when we're done the ranger does this he puts out five bear traps the thief sets up these snares that this person does this we had like this list of shit we would do so we could sleep throughout the night then, of course, then the game has to be like, okay, fuck that. Dragon flies in. Shit, we forgot about flying. Uh, forgot about flyers. Yeah, <laughs> death from above, man. Yeah, it's harder to trap against. But I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, undead even, or incorporeal. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was always fun. But I think the um, the setting up of, if we throw out like digging pits and those type of mechanical traps, but trapping the bad guys uh, verbally, you know, um, I've had players where we have had a large social exchange. They're arguing with the mayor. They're arguing with the king. They're doing something with an individual, basically, who they want to um, socially disarm. They want to take this person and make he or she seem a fool in pulling over on them. And they know the person has a bad temper, and they find out what their hot buttons are, and they just lean on them as hard as they can. And they get that woman to just lose her shit completely and start screaming at the PCs or this guy starts shrieking. He's just angry as hell that they dared question his authority on this matter, blah, 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 in front of the wrong group of people. Clunk, the social standing drops. That was a big deal in uh, Vampire. You'd have all these different social ranking concepts and they would do their best to set up the prince of the city, he or she, and crush them socially. So no, everyone thought that basically it was kind of the uh, uh, the popular kids thing, right? They would suddenly no longer be popular because everyone would have caught them eating lunch with the wrong crowd or something stupid like that. But in you know the game world terms, but those type of setups were they were a blast to watch as a game master. Oh yeah, have you done that, Sean, as a player? Have done the whole setup? I, you know, I've played rogues and thieves for, I mean, they used to be my core class, man. My go-to class, 
I don't. You never set, I don't. Never think, set a trap. I don't know if I can ever remember my dumbass freaking setting up a trap. It's just like I don't know why the hell it never occurred to me. It's crazy. Was a, play, was a player like? Do you now, or do you have any recollection of uh, setting up bad guys, or have players in your groups done that? Yeah, I think there's always a scenario where you're trying to like, here's what we'll do, and we'll plan it out where we'll trap the culprit or whatever. Sure. I think there's incidents to that. Doesn't anything, nothing specific comes to mind, but I do think. I just, it just dawned on me when we, <clears throat> when, uh, we had the IG 88 droid, when Steve was playing the fast talking droid. Yeah. And we set up the guards at the jewel of Yavin. We set them up a couple times to like steal pass cards and stuff. Yes. It was all basically a con, a huge, get these guys drunk so we can steal information from them or, uh, their pass cards or whatever it was. That whole part of the heist perspective. That was fun. Yeah, see, some of that stuff, I don't know. It kind of it kind of runs the fine line of a trap, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. For me, a trap, typically, especially mechanically, you are, you're, you're encountering it, and, uh, well, I guess it's not, maybe not as black and white as I would have thought, but... Typically, a trap is going to hinder you from doing something. Where what you're talking about in the social space, I don't know if it's necessarily hindering anything, but you're you're gathering info. Well, depending on what you end up doing or how you go about it, right, is you're trying to get something that doesn't belong to you, and you have to disarm the thing. What? Right? So it's yeah. So it's almost like disarming the trap, uh, disarming the individual. By getting them drunk, setting them up, and getting them to spill the beans about the fact that, yeah, they're they totally know where this person is because he's been sleeping around on his wife for a month. I know where he is right now. Oh, really? Thanks. That's all I needed to know. And that person feels caught, or that person, if they ever realize what they said, they're like, "Oh shit!" You know, you feel you feel trapped at that moment, or they feel trapped. Right. There's a captured moment. Yes. Where I think Correct. if you're trying to infiltrate. And you're trying to swindle, like the in your example, the guards, and you're trying to obtain information. Yeah. I don't know if that I would classify that as a trap necessarily. Fair enough. I guess where I'm where I'm going with that is that the to your point, I think from the dungeon master perspective, the GM were presenting stuff to them like, "Hey, the bad guy set you up," and like in um. Like the demon in the Mongols event yes. uh, example earlier, the demon set these guys essentially set them up, and they killed a bunch of innocent women because guess what? That's just ha ha ha. You weren't thinking clearly. Um, again, Mongrel, I apologize. I'm kind of taking your but, idea here and running with it. But that is the trap, right? He is yeah, setting absolutely. it up yep. like the bad guy's going. I'm going to do this. I'm going to yep. have this, and they're going to possess all the the women of the house of ill repute. And then those guys are going to come in and slaughter them. And then I'm going to spring out the them i'm gonna somehow divulge that they're the ones that went in there and killed everybody and that yeah, the law enforcement the law. right should should come and grab them so that's kind of the there's the trigger and then there's the i guess the ensnaring of whether yeah. it be physical or social right yeah something happens yeah so and then on the play the so that that can be fun it can help drive so on and so forth but the other fun bit i guess where I think you're going is that when the players take those traps and, and set up, set up the bad guys, right? Sure. The head of thieves guild 
you make him look foolish. You do something and you start to break them down so that they make a bad decision. That bad decision causes X to happen, which is exactly what you want. And like, ah, damn, I did that thing that Sean's character always wanted. Oh, curse you. It's that rivals going back and forth <coughs> perspective. We're trying to set each other up, right? You're setting somebody up so you can slam them down and take something from them. And much like a, a failed trap check in a dungeon, I set you up. Boom. I dropped you down a 50 foot pit onto some iron spikes coated in super instant tetanus. Right. Which yes. Is from, which is, that's a thing. White blue mountain. One of my favorite. Oh, spoilers, man. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Spoiler. Instant super tetanus. <laughs> instant super tetanus. Because I'm, I'm gonna, I gotta get vaccinated against super tetanus. Instant, instant super tetanus. Yes. Yes. When is when's the last time you updated your instant super tetanus, super tetanus immunization? Yes. I do think though that there is. I mean, I think we all know. Or maybe it's not saying we all know means that that people don't. But traps can be overdone. Any dungeon that is littered with traps, which is one of the reasons why people hate the Tomb of Horrors. Like, Jesus Christ, every time you turn around, something tries to kill you. Oh, the door eats you. This blows you up. You stick your head in there. It chops your head off. Oh, my God. Um, it's it's one of those things where if the agreement with it's the social contract thing, right? Where you're like, look, we're going to run old school. Really? What does that mean? <sighs> we're going to run a dungeon. It's going to be a tomb. So we're talking like Tomb of Horrors Tomb. Well, not quite that bad. I mean, there'll be traps. There'll be stuff. Okay, all right, I get this. There's probably some nasty thing in there. Doesn't want us in there. You can, as long as any player worth their salt asks around, or even the preamble for the adventure, like, look, this is the tomb of, you know, Asarak, the, the Lich. Yeah, it says Lich right on the fucking tin. I guess what's inside the tin? A trap! This is what happens. You know, um, it, it it's one of those pieces that... It, if you know what you're getting into, you're like, yep, I'm in for that. I'm totally down for that. And if you're not, well, then you might need to, you know, change of change of venue or game may be in order. But then in like the social traps and the social machinations, that can be to uh, Tony's point. Like when you talk about the way he was running an evil game when Tony Baker was talking about when you have, okay, social machinations within the players. I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up. I watched my buddy Lenny and Boyd, those two guys. Their characters, Vin and Mushiro, went after each other. They would set each other up. They would get together, partner up, help each other out. And at the end of it, Vin would be like, God damn, that little bastard got me. He took all my money. Fucker. Then he would work together with Mushiro two days later. God damn, that son of a bitch. He stole my nightclub. God, I hate that guy. And they went back and forth and back and forth. It was always a trap. They were setting each other up constantly. If you don't like that type of player versus player, that can be very frustrating as well. Right. So depending on the type of trap or what level it is that you're used to or willing to deal with, it can be potentially a deal breaker. And also you could get your you know rule book chucked at your head if you go at it too much when the trap is unavoidable. Sorry, no, no, no chance to save. You open the door, you die. Poison it, glass, as long dead. as those player characters set it up specifically to trap the other person. Like, I think if a person's kind of dicking around and they're doing something together and they just happen to lift something off the other person, I don't think well, it's that's a, not a trap. No, right. I'm talking about, yeah. I'm talking about, I, I would have tons of messages sent to me while I'm doing this. Well, I have Mashiro busy here. I send a note to this guy. He goes back and does this back end thing. Oh, while I'm doing this, I go over here and I take that. So they're all like keeping him busy and working it, working it, working it, and boom, took his nightclub from. Right, him. there's a setup, and then there's a trigger, and then there's Absolutely. whatever the result or or the 
the disabling, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I think those elements have to make up a trap, whether it be social or mechanical. Absolutely. It's my the take. other piece, the other, I, I agree with you. The other piece I think that you said there um, that I just keyed off of was it has to be avoidable, right? You could completely ignore the fact that this guy who, that Vin and Mushiro, you two have hated each other for like six months. And all of a sudden Vin's buttering you up and being super sweet to you. And you just go with it. You didn't bother to question his motives. You don't bother to think about the fact that you fucked him over six ways from Sunday last week. Like, ah, I'm sure he's forgotten about it. Hey, we said we were all friends again. And you just walked into it. Or yeah. it says tomb, tomb of the tomb of the lich of the undying trap. You're like, oh, okay, I could, I could totally walk down this corridor. I ignore that. I stick my head in here. I put my hand in there. Back off, thief. I can do this. Okay. <laughs> There's a way to avoid this. There's a way to do it. However, the flip then is some of the concepts of you do this, you die, no save. Well, right. I think what right. you're saying is there has to be an opportunity for the player character to, to overcome it or discover it at, at Over, chance. Oh, yep. Overcome, discover at chance. Right. And or be partially. I mean, overcome can be wounded, not dead, poisoned, not dead. You know, that. That type of thing, like, hey, he took my stuff, but I'm not totally broke. He took my car, but I could walk home or whatever it is. You know, the ultimate finality of not only could I not avoid it, but has permanent debilitating effects upon me uh, up to and including death. That's hard to swallow. Power word, kill traps. Yeah, fucker. No say, boom, Dan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but traps traps are goofy too because you have that player skill sometimes versus character skill. And I have seen players work other players in a social environment or an NPC work a player and the player doesn't think about their character skill saying, Oh, the character is actually much more astute about this than I am. I should probably, you know, roll to check something. So that as a game master or even other players at the table, it doesn't hurt to say, hey, you know, <clears throat> I'm a ranger. I know a bit about snares and traps and such out here in the wild. I could probably give the thief a hand, couldn't I? You know, bringing that stuff to the forefront is is a good idea too, I think. Yeah, Dealing no, I them. agree. Yeah, even socially, like, eh, is this a trap? Like, do you have somebody that's wiser? Because I think that's another thing with just players in general, and we've gotten into it a little bit where it's like, player knowledge and character knowledge and how do you balance that and making mm-hmm. sure, right? Like, oh, you're the, 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 you're the biggest dope in the party as a player character, but you're the smartest player. And now you're the barbarian and you're solving the problem. No, that's not going to work. No. Yeah. Which is the, and the other problem with the, um, with the mechanical trap with no lead in, right? It's perfectly hidden. It's down the dungeon corridor. The barbarian says, I walk up and, uh, you know, I check the door to see if it's locked. Oh, sorry. A rune goes off and you die. Well, I would have seen a rune in the door. You didn't, didn't say you were looking for runes in the door. He never made his look check. Oh, for Christ's sake. Well, that, that's that why. Could I, just be a, yeah. That could just be a huge blow up explosion between players and game master. Like, that's unfair. You didn't give me a chance. And I think that goes to, you know, I talked about the episodes and episodes back is like, okay, what are you doing? You just walking up and grabbing the door handle. Right. Feed it back to them. If it sounds like a bad idea when you as a game master say it out loud, chances are the players will, will correct you and say, no, 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 no. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Right. 
Well, that's you why know. you got to do it for everything as a game master. You always got to, <laughs> like, how, is, how are you grabbing the door? Oh, and you, you trip them up all the time. Just put that out there, even for doors that don't make any sense. Like, okay, well, how do you grab the door? With the knob? Oh, no, uh, no way. And then, it, you, you know, somebody just opens the door and it opens. There. And in a social environment, when you have, if you're playing a game like Vampire or Amber or anything like that, where you're even a spy game, when you're trying to manipulate people and you're working this espionage ring or whatever it is. So you're talking to, you know, you know, I don't know, you know, Sean Kelly, the spider. Okay. He's the spider. He's the one who manipulates everybody in this town. You, you realize his name is the spider, right? Yeah, sure. You go to dinner with him. What could possibly go wrong? Nah, I'll leave my guards. I'll leave that guy behind. I'm sure I'll be fine. His name's the spider. You know that, right? Ah, I'm fine. It's like a web of deceit. He's dragging you into it. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. You willingly march down that hole. Then, well, hell, you deserve to get fucking eaten or whatever happens to you. But it's the, especially the first, the first trap, even the first mechanical one, you know, if the first one in the, if the first one you encounter in the dungeon kills half the party, as my son AJ did to Connor and I, um, that's a little rough. It could be a little rough. Um, but I, I think the that little question and answer bit that that we just kind of outlined there is is fun. I think as a game master or players, and you don't have to get like super descriptive on everything. Just like so, the barbarian walks down the hall. And he's just going to kick the door in. No, that's not what I said. That's what I'm hearing. Is that what you're doing? That little back and forth um, can take not only any mundane situation and make it a little more tense, but also um, makes the players realize that you're fucking paying attention to me and not everybody gets the benefit of that out all the time. Cause I can't just continually go. Yeah, I guess you've all done the safest thing all the time. That's, that's not realistic either. How do you Good. use traps in your campaigns or adventures Write in and let us know some of Absolutely. the creative ways that you have done social traps or even mechanical traps and why you did it, how you did it. Did it make sense? Or write in with some horror story that had a hallway of 20 traps leading up to a shitter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll ever forget that. That was or not it, done by a 14 year old. That was not done by a 14 year old. Or it was done by a 14 year old you. Right. Oh, exactly. Right. Or of course, if you want to call BS on the entire thing, feel free to do so. That's right. All right. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery. Um, we've got two apiece this week and quite a few from listeners that want to uh, let us let everybody know that they're creating stuff or somebody's created things that should people should be aware of. So go ahead, Brett. Cool. Um, first one is artificial intelligence trained to kill humans in a video game. A controversial AI had been trained to kill humans in a Doom deathmatch. So um, there's a competition pitting our, uh, AI against human players in the old uh, Doom video game. And a group of folks, uh, two students in the U.S., caught a lot of flack after they published a paper about how they did it. And um, <laughs> they called their AI Arnold, of course, after the Terminator. And uh, you, this is one of those pieces where you look at this, you read it like, do you want, do you want Skynet? Because this is how you get Skynet. This is, this is how this happens. Which is, again, one more reason why if you're me and you see a robot or anything that's AI-driven and uh, seems to be acting as human, you kill it immediately and destroy it. Word of wisdom, do that. Very wise you are, Brett. Of course I am. The next one I have, <clears throat> this is a cool bit. I, I post this up on Google Plus, but I want to call it out here. Um, New York libraries 
uh, a number of them used to have um, apartments above them where librarians and different people who would take care of the building, keep the boilers running and all that stuff, keep the heat on, would live. And a number of these apartments in New York above the libraries are either they're abandoned, have been for quite some time. They're uninhabitable, like they've got leaky pipes or they're not you know, suited for occupation at this point. But there's a bunch of them still around in New York. And um, this is one of those pieces I read this. I'm like, this reminds me of a book, Hounds of London. This is a Delta Green. It's this really cool type of thing where there is essentially a secret apartment that very few people know about, like right above this building that everybody comes in and out of tons of information and knowledge, all the, all that stuff that's in a library. Didn't we feature this before? Secret rooms? they were like um, behind the books and everything, and you had to crawl in to get it to get to. That them. was different. This is an actual bar- apartment apartment. This is that was a different one. That was behind uh, bookstores, and this is actual ones that were built in, on purpose in New York, and they were supposed to be so that the people who lived there had access to keep and maintain the libraries. So, honestly, I read this, and I, my first thought was Ghostbusters one when they go down into the library, and there's a ghost in there. And I'm like, you know what? How do you get rid of that ghost? You find the freaking library apartment that she's tied to, and that's what she's locked into. So, I mean, there's a Call of Cthulhu adventure in there, too. So, that's good stuff. Take a look. It's fun. Sean, over to you, sir. Yeah. So, my first one, I think it was posted by Jason Morningstar. If you don't know Jason, he does Fiasco and a few other (laughs) uh, Night Witches uh, RPGs. How H.R. Geiger invented sci-fi's most terrifying monster. An article- Article on Vice, yes. Yes, so if you're not familiar with H.R. Geiger, he came up with the alien of aliens. And it is tis the season. Yeah. So, spooky, spooky. Uh, number two, uh, Karul Hisham, uh, a.k.a. Hish Graphics, put out some clone trooper paper minis for free download. So, Hish Graphics, obviously, Hish does some, uh, Hisham has some, he does He's done graphic artists for DWD Studios, and so he put some together that you can go out and download if you are a Star Wars RPGer that needs some paper minis and clone troopers. Check it out. Very nice. We'll alternate on these, hey, Brett? Do it. You got the first one. Well, actually, why don't you do the ones you posted? I only have one. That's easy. You did the first two. No, I didn't. I did the second one. Anyway, I'll do mine. Jim Fitzpatrick told us about a Maine locomotive graveyard. There is, and we're talking about uh, the state of Maine. There's a locomotive boneyard deep in the forest of Maine um, that they say is both eerie and tragic. They've got some pictures posted up there. I see this, and I'm like, this is where our guy Roger Braslett and other people, this is, uh, this makes me want to go out to Maine <laughs> and just take a look at this. There's a, there's a video clip in there. It's just, um, most locomotives are like 100 years old abandoned during the great depression. It's just kind of crazy that in the middle of this forest um, are these old train tracks and big equipment just laying around. It's really kind of neat. You're right, Brett. I did post a few of these. Uh, It's Chris Angelucci. Are we living in a simulation? Uh, So this is on the guardian, which is not any wacky onion newspaper by any means, but, uh, in the beginning, it's basically sums it up or, or starts off. When Elon Musk isn't outlining plans to use his massive rocket to leave a decaying planet Earth and colonize Mars, he sometimes talks about his belief that Earth isn't even real and we probably live in a computer simulation. The Matrix, man. 
How many an- an- angels can dance on the head of a pin? Oh, wait. What the fuck does it matter? Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Dave Conkle, a buddy of mine, uh, living in China, uh, created the Castle of Blackwood Moor. He did one of the intros for one of the shows. He comes to Gary Con. He comes yes, to I met him at Gary Con last yep. year. Yep. Super cool dude. Yep. So he's like, hey, you wanted to know about creating. So, hey, can you pimp uh, Castle of Blackwood Moor? So I've got links to the Amazon pro- uh, page that he has. Also YouTube. Somebody did a review of it as well as his Facebook page. So uh, if you wow. haven't heard of it, check it out. It's Dave. Uh, number three, four, number four, Azriel Arosha points out 20 things in the lair of the mummy king, which I think fits the episode relatively well. I didn't, I haven't read it yet, but I know that the, uh, pyramids were always laced with traps to keep, uh, keep raiders, tomb raiders out of there, Brett. Well, that's what they, that's what they tell us anyway. Yeah. That's what they tell us. It's the hallway land with California. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So there's some, obviously, uh, some adventure points you could use, inspiration. Very cool. And number, the last one, Eileen, let us know about Haley Nitz's Kickstarter, which I think is still going as of today's date that we're recording. This is October 16th. Yes, it says 28 days left to go. Right. And this will drop on Podcast Catchers on the 18th. Correct. Um, so it'll be down to like 26 days. But she is, um, I believe she is the daughter of a popular comic book artist, if I'm not mistaken. She's trying to make her own way. She's a senior in high school. Um, and she's writing Chasing Hitler comic. And I think that she has been interviewed on a couple other podcasts. Like the, this looks- the yeah, like the comics. And, and even Eileen's like, this is probably, this could make a pretty good RPG. Yeah, and if well, it's see- like I mean, this is like Delta Green fodder and various other things. Like even if you didn't go Delta Green and you just took it in a very mundane, wow, this is kind of cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so very talented young lady. Uh, check out her Kickstarter if you're into the comics. Um, I'm very impressed with just even the cover and some of the details. Uh, and starting out so young, which is great. Uh, Long runway for her, hopefully. Otherwise, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pledge levels are low. You're like 10, 20 bucks type of thing. That looks cool. I'm going to give yeah. that a shot. Yeah, man. If she she plays her cards right, man, she'll be able to fund her entire college <laughs> education by doing some good comics. That would be really fucking cool. I mean, wow. Cool. Talk about awesome. Uh, I want to thank uh, out. Uh, thank you to Sydney Roundwood from the UK for the kind review on iTunes. That's very much appreciated. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Sydney. There we go. All right, one more thing uh, we almost forgot to mention is the Patreon levels. Yeah, we've been talking about mucking with them. I mentioned it on a show or two, and uh, it's time to start mucking with them. What are we going to do, Sean? So I think we've some ideas that we're going to be putting up there. Uh, one is actual play. So we'll do an actual play. We'll record it. I don't know if we're going to do it with our group, Brett, or just you and I, or what it is. We'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. Uh, one other idea was bow target practice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brett's going to shoot I- an apple off my head. Yes, yes, absolutely. I will shoot an apple off of Sean's head. Yeah. 
nothing, nothing could go wrong from there. I'm positive I'll be fine. No. And I'm totally down with it because, I mean, Brett is like modern-day Robin Hood. Pretty much. That reminds me of the Blazing Saddles. See oh, that hand? <laughs> Steady as a rock. Yeah, but that's my shooting hand. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure it'll be an adventure. Of course. Uh, we're going to go to the gun range and we'll video it. And uh, we'll, I will uh, attempt to outshoot Brett. I think you you might that you probably could. I don't know. Now don't Brett know, Brett's got a reputation of being Mr. Outdoorsy, bow hunting, shooting, well, guns. Yeah, but you're army. I mean, it's not <laughs> like you you have probably put more range bullets down range than I have, honestly. Yeah, you guys man. the army guys shoot a lot. I had a, <laughs> I had, I've had an expert marksman badge, which yeah. is oh, you know, shooting pretty well. Old. And you're shooting out yeah, right 20 years ago. That's true. <laughs> that is true. And it, it's it, it's a perishable skill. That's true too. <laughs> we'll see. It's, see. It'd be worth it though. We'd be like shooting for uh, shooting for lunch or something. We'll do that. We think, can do that. I think the farthest I've ever had to shoot was standard standard uh, shooting range for those that have not served in the military. Usually, when you go to the range and qualify, you're doing fifty meter, hundred meter, hundred fifty. I think two two fifty three hundred. I know the farthest probably, out is three hundred. We could probably at the range by my place. We could go. 25, 50, 100, and we could go out to 200. We could do that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Well, now, and I don't have my own weapon, so Brett could be all zeroed, and I, I may be getting Brett's weapon in it. Oh, you'll be, you'll be fine. I wouldn't give you a bum weapon just to win. I don't think it'll be bum, but you do, <laughs> you're supposed to zero your sight. Oh, yeah. Right. Mine are dead on, dude. Well, yeah, because you've zeroed it. I'd let you play with it. That's what I would do. I'd let you, I have an AR. I'd let you, I'd let you monkey with it. All right. Uh, we'll write an adventure. Yes. Uh, we'll set Bob on fire. Yes. Well, Bob isn't even on our show, but we will set him on fire. We will set Bob on fire. If you don't know who Bob is. Check out Misdirected Mark. Yeah. He's the, he's one of the guys over at Misdirected Mark. Old man Logan. Yep. And they are going to set him on fire. So we figured what the hell we'll join in and we'll set him on fire. Maybe another time. Yeah, exactly. Because once they, because um, they'll get there first, and by that point, they'll have the the method sorted out, and Bob will be like, "Yeah, whatever, set me on fire." Yeah. I think I think that's where we'll be at that point. So that's that's one we got you know listed. Absolutely. Uh, Brett goes an entire show without swearing. That's gonna be really fucking hard. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> not gonna be easy. It's gonna, yeah. All right. Don't make me beep all that shit out either. I won't. I won't. And then the other one, which I have to consult with Brett's biggest fan on, because this is maybe like astronomical oh, oh. dollar amount. You're talking about going clean shaven? For to, for to shave Brett's face. Oh. Brett, when's the last time you were clean shaven? Uh, as a wife ago. <laughs> so how long have you been how long have you been married it's um been with susan for 12 years it was like, shit dude it's been almost 20 years i've had some sort of facial hair for like 20 years 20 years and brett would yeah. be clean shaven no no just keep happen. just remember no one's got that no one's got that kind of cash <laughs> um yeah and then i think i don't know we've got some other ideas if you have any ideas that you would like to see is as a patron or not, you know, maybe you're not a patron now. 
And you would be because like, we oh, have yeah, a certain these level. Crazy fuckers do this thing. <laughs> I throw a dollar at that. Shit, Brett, you know, is gonna be clean shaven, and I want to contribute. Yeah, or we're gonna set Bob on fire. I mean, some of these are like freaking internet gold. I was trying to get uh, tattoo Sean's ass. I was trying to get that, but Sean's oh. like, "Oh, that's permanent." And like, even yeah. Brett's hair is gonna grow back on his face. That's true. I mean, I can't grow hair on my ass to cover that tattoo. I mean, that's I could, true. but it's not gonna be thick enough. Not thick enough. TMI. <laughs> <laughs> way, way too much. All right. All right. Brett, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going to talk about what is heroic. We've uh, Sean and I have been bantering about this one periodically. We're talking about heroic gaming and or stuff like that. We've talked a little bit about, you know, oh, epic versus other things. And the concept of what makes a game heroic or and so forth is kind of one. I don't know how philosophical we'll wax on this one, but uh, I figured we'd give it a shot, see what we can come up with. And probably get some hate mail in the process, which means we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Brett, <laughs> if you're my hero and you're you're doing something, does that make you heroic? In my probably. eyes, probably. Oh, for you, of course. Yeah. Right. We've had this talk, Sean. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> that wraps up another episode of Gaming MBS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. Gaming and BS produced with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Steve Day, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Aguirre, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Old School DM, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Billadeau, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Mirko Froelich, Wayne Lumrunner Humfleet, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Tony Baker, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, Eileen Barnes, and Chad Knight. Consider becoming a patron. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Whoa.